Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book. This is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Midwife Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of honest expert chats. My mission is to provide you with the very best support and information through pregnancy, birth and beyond with my online courses over at midwifepip.com. And as a podcast listener, I'm also offering you an exclusive 15% off all my online courses using code PODCAST15. With no further ado, let's get chatting. Becoming and being a parent is tough. Perhaps the most challenging thing we will ever do as a woman. Don't get me wrong, I love being a mum, but the psychological shift is huge. Your life and priorities are literally turned upside down overnight. Our emotional well-being is more fragile and important than ever but is often right down the bottom of our priority list. This week's guest is here to share with us why and how we must start to change this. Sophie Birch, aka The Mama Coach, is on a mission to put all mental and emotional well-being more on the map in pregnancy, birth and parenting. She has 16 years as a mother to four boys, including twins, as a perinatal therapist and coach and a birth trauma and postnatal depression survivor. Her experience has shaped who she is and awakened her to a life of comparison and deep empathy for everyone from preconception through parenting to menopause. Her approach is simple to allow people to feel held and heard, safe and worthy of love and self-acceptance. Sophie believes that our strength comes from self-compassion, kindness and knowledge, which is her ethos. Her focus for 2022 is connection and she intends to connect and hold space for as many people as possible. In 2020, Sophie saw launch of her book, Beyond Birth, A Mindful Guide for Early Parenting which is an integration of all she knows to help people have a more balanced, positive experience as they transition from pregnancy to parenting. The guide's available as a published book on Amazon, and you can find that linked in the episode description, but it's also available as an e and audiobook. Parent baby support sessions, and she also offers a practitioner training course. Sophie is a trainer and team member 
at the PMH Training CIC with leading perinatal expert and author, Dr. Jane Hanley, and offers online and in-person coaching, one-to-one and groups, and is very happy to always talk about her work and experience at events and podcasts, which kind of brings you to talk to me today, I suppose, Sophie. Um, so welcome, and, and thank you for coming on. And actually, in the background, thank you for all the amazing work that you've done to support women, pregnancy and motherhood over the years. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. That was the most amazing introduction. Um, I love what I do, quite simply. It is all very much from my heart. It's driven through experience, both as a mum to four and giving birth three very different ways and needing lots of support um, and not necessarily having the support I needed, but also as a professional, as a therapist and a coach. And just really kind of witnessing in the last 16 years since I've been a parent how you know fundamentally the landscape has changed in terms of the support that's there and our understanding of what's needed but um, we still have a long way to go and there are some really big gaps in that support um, that's needed but also big big gaps in people's understanding of mental health generally and and certainly what emotional well-being is so that's why I'm driven every day to show up and hold space and be there for people work with them through some of the challenges but equally to hopefully open their eyes to a much brighter more hopeful future mm. and also to take care of themselves in a way that models beautifully to their children because it's fundamentally our children that we when we become parents that we focus on all the time it's you know almost like we put ourselves to the side and it's all about the baby it's all I mean, even in pregnancy isn't it it's very much about how that baby is developing and not so much about the mother certainly not about the father or the partner at that stage so my work includes everybody and it's very much about the future of our children and how we can make things right now for their sakes as well as for our own yeah, and I love that because for, for women perhaps who are listening, who think, you know, I am just too busy focusing on my children to start mm. sort of taking a back step and thinking about myself, actually, like you've just beautifully described, by looking after yourself, you are inadvertently looking after and protecting them and their future. And as we know, you know, little Finley's coming up seven months and already he mimics, you know, things that we do. Their little little brains are just absolute sponges, aren't they? And they look up to you as their mother more than anybody else. So it really is inevitable that we display to them how important mental health and emotional well-being is. And I don't know about you, Sophie, but I feel like in society over the sort of maybe the past five, five, six years, we've started to lift the lid on mental health and kind of start to open up a little bit more and recognize it. But we're really only scratching the surface, aren't we, in terms of discussing it and prioritizing it still? Yeah, I think there is that. I mean, there's a huge lack of funding behind that, which is what we need a lot of. But it's it's almost like a re-education, you see, because we haven't really prioritized it up until fairly recently. It's there's a lot, it comes with a lot of stigma. And, and certainly physical health has been very much the mainstream. It's all been about how you can look and feel better um, in your skin. How can you get your body back? How can you, you know, still be yourself 
in terms of who you were before you had a baby to to afterwards and it's very much about appearances in lots of ways has been for a long time and and what we now know obviously is that is that everybody has mental health and mental health is just as important as physical health and in fact it is all health it's all wellness it's all well-being um, we need to be looking at our whole self as, you know, as well as just how we're going to get back into those genes again and, um, and, and, and you know, be, feel ourselves because we look the same. And, and actually, you know, what happens is once we start to become more self-aware on other levels, on a level of, of how we're feeling and how we're thinking and what's going on there and what we need for ourselves every day, that starts to help us to feel better generally. And therefore we have more energy and more gumption to, to, to do the things that make us feel better physically as well. So it's, it's a bit of a no brainer really, excuse the pun, but we do have a long way to go, mainly because it's an education, because we have to we have to break stigma. We have to, and that's a lot of it is ingrained. And some of that is epigenetic, you know, that's come through the generations. And that's not something that we can consciously choose to just ignore. It's very much a, a part of our blueprint is that if, you know, great, great aunt Maud was, you know, sent away because she went mad, um, then those stories would have passed down the generations and everybody's therefore afraid of going mad and what madness looks like and what might happen to us if we go mad. And one of the biggest questions and the biggest, it's so honest when pa parents talk to me about this, I'm still always in awe. Uh, the biggest fears that most new parents have is that their baby will somehow be taken away from them if they are open and honest about how they're thinking and feeling. And, and so, you know, we have, that's where we need to do the work because it's saying, you know, really that is so, so very rare, but yet it's still there. And of course we see it in the media, don't we? And we see it, we hear it everywhere, you know, the stories are exaggerated like that for, for fear purposes, you know, and it's so therefore we've got lots of people who are going into parenting first, second, third, fourth, however many times and having perhaps intrusive thoughts and feelings that are uncomfortable that they they find hard to sit with and the fear kicks in and it's like, oh my goodness, is this madness kicking in? You know, what is this? And if we don't really have a greater awareness of self and what to expect in terms of the care that's being provided for us, then we're less likely to say anything. And of course it, you know, exacerbates and ruminates until usually then it gets down the road to the place where perhaps we are mentally unwell at that point and, and really needing additional assistance and not being able to do anything about that other than hopefully get some help. Mm. So my, my role really and, and what I do when I train the practitioners that I work with these incredible kindred professionals who are all in grassroots community, they're supporting parents anyway, pre uh, or birth or postnatally. And we say, you know, this is important. What we do is we say, actually, we can kind of bridge the gap here. And we say that all mental health is normal and emotional well-being is the way we, way we take care of our mental health. And what we do is we do these things every day and they're not big, 
big things, they're small, they're simple, and they're really effective. And if we do this, then it builds our resilience to get to a place where perhaps we feel much more confident about reaching out for support earlier if we need it, or we know what to do when we're having a bad day and we're not necessarily afraid um, of our babies being taken away because we're having specific thoughts and feelings. So that's really where, you know, where I sit at the moment. And it's, it's driven through my own experiences over the years of struggling mentally um, and being unwell with my mental health as a result of, of postnatal depression um, and also uh, birth trauma. So, you know, but I'm sort of saying, actually, we can get there before that happens. <laughs> um, and, and I've seen results and it's so wonderful because I think once the penny drops of people and they start to see that actually this isn't scary, this is pretty feel good, really. Yeah. Um, and it really helps you to bond and connect better with your baby, with yourself, with your family. <laughs> We're just taking a mini pause from this episode to share with you an extra expert top tip from Avril, one of Apta Club's expert authors. Hi, I'm Avril Flynn, a midwife and childbirth educator. Did you know that research shows babies learn and process responses to the world around them while sleeping? For more information on understanding your baby's sleep patterns and how to try and establish a routine, sign up to aptaclub.co.uk. Then it's like, why wouldn't we be taking care of ourselves in this way? It, it, that helps to keep the wolf from the door. Certainly doesn't stop the challenges from happening. It doesn't prevent completely mental ill health, but what it does is it builds a beautiful awareness that helps us to feel so much more confident and also to access those support services that are, you know, that are there. But a lot of the time when we're mentally unwell, it feels like there is nobody else. It's just us that's going through this. So it's it's important to keep that conversation going as we are now, just, just as a be beginner education, really. Um, and that it isn't something to be afraid of, that it's actually not anybody's fault and that it is part and parcel, really, of, of being vulnerable and becoming a parent. Yeah, absolutely, Sophie. I love, I, lo I mean, I love your ethos. It's, it's obviously come from a place that's super personal to you, which is why you're so dedicated and so passionate about it. Mm. And that's so evident, which is absolutely wonderful. And I suppose the way that I try and relate to mental health is that... With our physical health, like we've sort of recognised, we, we really understand that, I think, a lot more. And we usually know how to nurture that. So we know we need to be eating at least five portions of fruit and vegetable a day. We need to be doing some exercise, need to be getting outdoors, etc., etc. And we know that if we eat vegetables on Monday, we can't then not eat them for the rest of the week and have our physical health. And I think we need to start recognising mental health in the same way. So mm. as we recognise we have to do things for our physical health every day, actually our mental health needs that same maintenance, doesn't it? It's not kind of a one hit and you're done. It's a daily thing that we need to check in with and keep an eye on. 
Yeah. And, and actually, I love how you, you talked about the five a day, because that's what that's how I talk about mental health as well. So I say, what you know, what are your five a day um, for, for your mental well-being? And that looks different every day. It's, you, we wouldn't want to eat the same veg every day. We'd get pretty bored of it. It wouldn't have the same effect in terms of taste and everything else. And so we need to mix it up. And it's the same with our mental health and well-being. And every day is different. So so I love I love that you said that. Yeah, and and again, it's not complicated. It's not um, finding loads of extra time because I, being a mum of four, but even being a mum of one, I, I remember thinking, how on earth did I ever have time to do anything for myself before having children? And and so the the ethos that I take is very much about doing things for ourselves with our children, because of course, as you say, with your even your seven month old. They're little sponges, they're watching you and they're learning. So if you're doing this, you're modeling ways of emotional regulation to them that are so important for the rest of their lives. This is, you know, so, such an important time for them in terms of their development. Um, and I have a lot of people come to me and they say, I just can't do anything for myself. I just, I, there are blocks, there are barriers, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, and so therefore it is a case of saying, well, if you can't do it for you, can you do it for both of you? Can you do it for, for your children and for you at the same time? Because that actually helps with the intent very much. And the secret source with emotional well-being is intent. So thoughts and feelings and, and behaviors are all so much more enhanced and they feel so much better and we get so much more from it if we do it with intent. And of course, we see our little ones responding really, really quickly to that. And um, so that, you know, the, eating those, those vegetables, if you eat those with presence and with intent, that's actually really amazing for your emotional well-being as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about finding time to go and have uh, your hair done and your nails done and going to the spa. Of course, those are amazing. And if you can get them, <laughs> definitely go for it. But it's so much more about the little things and even the the the, the gentle things of touch and connection and then with intent, breathing your babies in, breathing them in and really noticing how that makes you feel with intent. And suddenly, whoosh, you're getting that lovely oxytocin and all those feel good hormones that that keep you feeling good and and coping and grounding you into a place where you're feeling more in control, which is such a big, big part of parenting, especially early parenting, when perhaps most of the time we're not feeling in control because we can't control the little person in front of us as much as we think we can. So it's, it's really helpful in so many other ways that we could ever imagine. I, what what you just said there, Sophie, about sort of hold, holding your baby close really resonates with me because certainly when I am navigating the chaos of mm. juggling, you know, motherhood, being a wife, running a business, um, I'm going to be going back to the NHS, renovating a house, all of that kind of stuff. When things are being a little bit stressful and I've kind of struggled on and off with anxiety throughout my life, holding Finley close and just mirroring his breathing is the most calming thing 
ever. Like the just the most calming thing. Um, and a, a non-negotiable rule that I made when Finley was born was that every single day, rain or shine, I got outdoors and went for a walk. And that just made me feel so much better. And that was something that the days were com- obviously completely unstructured with a newborn baby, but that was something I was going to sh- control every day and I knew was definitely going to happen. And just having that sense of, of control and something that was guaranteed really, really helped me in those sort of early, early days and weeks. And I've been thinking recently about trying to make sure that as Finley grows, my anxiety doesn't sort of rub off on him. He doesn't pick up on it if I'm a little bit stressed or, or anxious about life and things that crop up. Um, and I've decided that um, in a couple of weeks time, I'm hopefully going to allocate a few days and we're going to create a little um, sort of mindfulness well-being corner. And we've got a little corner that's a bit of a dead space in the back of our living room. And it's going to be our little, little corner that's a snug place where any of us can go. And I'm hoping that Finley will pick up on the fact that actually, if he feels a bit stressed or not quite right, he can take himself to this little mindfulness corner. And in there will be some some of our little favorite things. So, you know, a, a blanket that's snuggly or something nice to touch or favorite mm. books, favorite quotes, just little things like that. Because like you say, I'm really conscious that I need to start role modeling for him. And that's definitely my motivation at the moment for keeping a check on emotional well-being. I think that's really beautiful. And children are so naturally mindful. They're so present with everything and we can learn from them so much mm. as well. So absolutely, it'll be a, you know, what, what you're offering him in those moments equally, you'll be getting back tenfold because you're witnessing that with him and the sensory as you say all of the sensory elements of that are so healing and so wonderful and help us to do things more with intent when we're noticing it so even the sense of smell you know um, as your baby gets older you might want to consider bringing in some essential oils you know so the citrus oils anything like orange or bergamot really beautiful nurturing uplifting nothing too strong but you know that sense as well they get used to and it works beautifully as a bit of a trigger and sound so music and and um, nature sounds actually even or just you oming or ahhing or just playing with your vocal sounds is really incredible grounding for you but equally for your baby who's who's learning um there's so so much magic just in sensory experience and of course it is exceptionally grounding and when I talk about grounding I mean parking really the nervous system that autonomic nervous system that we're, we're you know we're not consciously really in control of and if we're feeling a bit spiky and that's where the anxiety sits you know that's where our sort of window our to- tolerance levels are are less that's where I call our spiky side it's in the red zone and if you're feeling that then that's always what you know a red flag to do something about it to bring your stress levels down and so by parking using sensory awareness it's a really really wonderful way of kind of getting things into perspective a little more and feeling as I said before a bit more in control a little bit like okay so this is just anxiety I'm experiencing and that all is all it is and and you know I can do something about it and of course you know babies will witness that and just learn it all like like the sponge as you say um and that emotional regulation will stay with them for life 
And um, that's the beauty of this. You know, these we're creating their blueprints. And um, that's not to worry anybody that that might be thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've been exceptionally anxious and depressed and, and reactive around my baby and I've damaged them for life. No, we can, you know, we can change that by taking care of ourselves more and and actually communicating that more. So communication is is such a great skill that we have as humans. That <laughs> um, often when we're tired and vulnerable, we we internalize things and don't necessarily open up and and say how we feel and what we're thinking whether that's to ourselves as well as to anybody else around in the room but our, our babies you know brains are it's that gray matter is is plastic really we can mold it and change it and as long as they get the love and the attention and the connections that they need um, and you could become their safe place, you are their safe place, then, then you know, anything that has happened can, can be undone. And that's, that's beautiful. And I, I love that we have that as parents because no parent is perfect. We are oh, all shame. going to be reactive, aren't we, at some point or another. So we can't all be then thinking, oh, my goodness, what have we done to our children in that moment? We have to be thinking more about taking care of ourselves and then therefore re repairing whatever rupture has happened by usually by by love and openness and honesty and connection. And, you know, that communication is is key. So, Definitely. so much. Yeah, definitely. It's so funny what you were saying there because I had like a, a little bit of a chaotic moment um, just today, Sophie. I had all my nice cloth nappies out on the washing line and actually it's a little bit of a moment of kind of mindfulness and relaxation as I hang them all out on a sunny day. I just love it. And then I love looking at them all and all their like colourful patterns. Anyway, that was all beautiful until about three hours later when the downpour of rain started. So I was like, oh my gosh, the nappies are getting wet, ran out, collecting them all in, came in threw them all in a pile in the living room and my husband was like ah it's okay we can just dry them <laughs> it's really not the end of the world I was like mm. yeah that that was a moment of perspective <laughs> and I think <laughs> having people around us to you know give us that perspective and support us is so important isn't it in pregnancy and motherhood and I yeah. always say you know motherhood wasn't meant to be done alone but we seem to feel like in society now that we need to do it on our own and it shouldn't be the case should it and I just wonder yeah. for like those around mum or supporting mum whether that's one person or if you're lucky enough to have an army what can they do to help support your emotional well-being <laughs> We're just taking a quick pause from this episode so that I can share with you a brand that I know you're going to love as much as I do. My Little Finley is growing up fast and is almost on the move, which means it's now time to start making our home safe for him. Did you know that every single week, at least one child under five years of age dies in an accident? 75% of which happen in their own home. I think this is terrifying. And this is why the team at Cheeky Rascals offer a variety of products that not only help make parents' lives easier, but are also the safest on the market, including brands like Love to Dream, Rocket, and the Fred Baby Proofing Safety Range, which has everything you need to keep your little ones safe and your mind at ease. 
I want to support you to make your home safer for your little one and prevent them coming to any harm. So Cheeky Rascals are sponsoring this podcast and offering you 15% off Fred safety products using the code MIDWIFEPIP15. I think we all need a space to find that self-awareness. So it's knowing that we're being held, that we're heard, that we're seen, that helps us to feel safe. Um, so that is what people around us can do for us. They can't equally control what we're experiencing either. So it's, it's very much about them listening to us, giving us time to, to say what we need to say, holding us that helps us to feel loved or, you know, giving us the option of not being held, but feeling held in a space as well. And, and being seen, being seen for ourselves. So that's, that's a real important one, especially as we are transitioning into parenting. Often we feel quite invisible. We feel unseen because it is very much about the baby. Um, but equally, we may have gone from from, you know, one career in our life into another where in one way we were very much in control. And then, of course, we've got this baby that we're meeting demands of and we can't control them. And and that can be really, really challenging for so, so many people because it translates into feeling like we're failing most of the time and that failure leads to leads to other emotions like guilt and shame um and and of course low self-worth and low confidence etc and nobody wants to be feeling like that but so many parents do and as you said if you haven't got somebody in your space to to actually enable you to feel seen then then that is very difficult. We have to do that for ourselves, which we can do, but it, is, it has to be learned if, unless you've already learned it. Mm. Um, it is a skill, that act of kind of parenting ourselves really is a real skill that we learn along the way. And certainly, you know, 16 years down the line, I'm still learning, but, you know, getting there slowly. But I also think that having others around us that, that help us to hold us accountable for taking care of our emotional well-being. Yeah. So accountability is about is being compassionate and, and being that compassionate voice of saying, I know you don't feel like doing it, but if you do it anyway, I'm sure you'll reap the rewards. So that is a voice that we can say to ourselves when we get up in the morning and we, you know, we, we know we're not feeling so great, but we know also that we have our non-negotiables that we must do. Like you say, you get out for your walk that helps you to feel better. But it's when that inner voice just says, oh, no, not today. I'm just, you know, I'm not feeling it. Now, if you're genuinely not feeling it, then that's okay. And of course, it's good to have a break from doing these things sometimes too. But sometimes it's that that part where you just need that little bit of extra accountability, the extra persuasion that says, I know you don't feel like doing it, but if you do it anyway, you know you're going to feel so much better. Definitely. And of course... Often those are the days when you do it anyway, that you reap the rewards because you get that lovely boost of dopamine for achievement. You've done it. And, you know, perhaps it's it, and you, you have another experience when you're out on your walk that you wouldn't have had any other way, you know, that has just made your day. So it's, it's that it's having people around you that in a, in a, in a strong but loving way kind of encourage you to keep going. 
to say we're here for you and you're doing an amazing job, you know. And I think that 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 is enough in so many ways, but equally also to give us the space to be able to learn to parent ourselves too. Because when the doors are closed and, and baby's crying in the middle of the night and we're doing that feed, nobody else really is there. Apart, obviously our partner, if we have one, but some people don't. Partner might be sleeping in the other room because they need to get up and work all day the next day. And you know you might have that kind of arrangement. So who's going to take care of you in those moments? Um, and those moments are, are, you know, quite hard for any new parent to navigate. It can feel very lonely. It can feel very disconnected. And actually, this is where emotional well-being really kicks into place so beautifully, because you say, actually, I can flip this right now. I can, I can think about maybe all the other parents that are awake with me with their babies right now, or I can use... And positive emotion, positive mood, positive thoughts and feelings to bring myself through this time to feel, you know, to feel the power of the gratitude in those situations rather than the the opposite, which, mm. of course, we know that when we get stuck in the kind of the dark side, then it can we can really ruminate on that and it can be, then be very damaging to how we are for the rest of the, the day um, as well and of course how we feel so emotional well-being really is about kind of adapting when confronted with those kind of uh, uh, you know curveballs and the situations the stressful situations that happen and that is really the foundations in that hour but it's about resilience um, so you're building resilience so as I said before it's not about you can't prevent these things from happening, but it's more about how you cope with them and how you how you manage and how you reach out. And a lot of that comes from self-awareness. Mm. Um, but that, again, is a learned skill for so many of us if we've lived in, as we do live in a society that doesn't necessarily uh, educate us to that um, until we sort of have to find it for ourselves and 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 need it. And often that happens as we're becoming parents or even in, in pregnancy. Um, and it is, you know, it's a vulnerability that perhaps so many people haven't necessarily experienced before. And that can be quite a scary place. So, again, it's about saying, OK, you know, what what can I do about this right now? You know, how can I how can I feel better? So it's not necessarily about sort of toxic positivity and being positive about absolutely everything, but it's very much more about producing positive emotions through our thoughts and feelings um, and our self-awareness. And that often comes from um, living with purpose. You know, that, that's really what it's, it's so much of it is about and, and managing our stress levels. So noticing as you did today with your nappies, <laughs> you know, okay, that's a bit of a red flag, isn't it? It's like, all right, so what, what do I need to do for myself in that moment? You know, maybe you needed to hear what you heard but equally perhaps you needed to be held and you just needed somebody to to just you know give you the space to feel safe and grounded again and oh yeah it is just the nappies and we can just dry them but of course naturally when your window of tolerance is is less it can feel like it's such a big deal um, and that's, you know, that's fine. That's okay too. And all these emotions are very normal as we're becoming parents. I think that um, that nobody should be ashamed of any any emotions that, that crop up. It's more about being with them rather than fighting them, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. I guess that acceptance and then where do you you go with them from there? And what you just Mm. mentioned in terms of the the window of tolerance, I think one of the probably the biggest challenges for every parent um, is probably that sleep deprivation in those early days, Mm. weeks, months, years. Um, And I think the more sleep deprived we are, for sure, that window of tolerance is just diminishes, doesn't it? Like it definitely, definitely gets less. And I just wonder what your advice would be to any new or expectant parents that are kind of planning for this next stage in terms of how we can plan for that, but little things that they can do to help prioritize their emotional well-being and almost kind of, if if you're listening and pregnant, how you can start practicing for when you know that window of tolerance is probably going to be on the lower side. Um, Because I don't know about you, Sophie, but I always find that when I'm busiest, is when I probably need to take take the most time for my emotional well-being, but it's when I neglect it the most. But yeah. ironically, I always say to myself, I'm feeling like I haven't got time for it. And that's like a massive flag to me that I need to find time for it because I know that's going to make me feel better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, exactly. And so many of us in pregnancy are, are sort of racing through to to get everything in order, all the ducks in a row mm. kind of thing, you know, and and going going perhaps to to classes like yoga or antenatal classes, etc. So we're kind of it's a lot of it is a tick box exercise. And and I I would say that that again, this brings it back to to connect, connecting with yourself, but um, intent why am I doing all of these things what does it really mean what does it look like and and questioning so um I uh in my guide there are uh, a lot of questions to answer that help to build a a deeper level of self-awareness than perhaps you would have before so that you can start to understand when you're perhaps pushing pushing it too much you know when your boundaries are not necessarily in place um, and what you can do about that and and it's a great time to open up and be questioning with yourself but equally with your partner as well and ask you know what is it that I need when I am feeling really stressed what do I need to do what does somebody need to say to me to help me what is going to help me um, and I think, you know, for, for any new parents who are um, experiencing that level of sleep deprivation, connection is so important and communication, as I've said before, and, and slowing down rather than speeding up. Um, I think that society has set us up to meet targets and and milestones, especially when it comes to babies as well, um, that you know, actually these things when left usually to their own devices happen in, in the time that they need to happen. And, and we get there anyway, no matter how we're getting there. It's about the bit, bit like the hare and the tortoise. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, it's important to remind ourselves of that, that it will look really different. And equally, that sleep deprivation is a time 
really that we can use to reflect inward and slow down and only do what we can do when we can do it. Um, and uh, a, a big phrase that I picked up many, many years ago um, was invest in rest, which I really love. Um, because what we do so often is we count the hours of sleep that we've not had probably or had you know and we use words because language is so important especially the self-talk and that self-communication is I have only had I only got two hours sleep last night I have only had this and of course we're coming from a place of lack instantly so what we can do is we can start to reflect on the quality of the sleep and rest that we have and if we haven't had that much sleep in the night how can we rest more in the day now that doesn't mean sleep when the baby sleeps because I know that's really difficult for so many of us to do that's my like worst phrase can't bear it <laughs> it's so hard isn't it but it, it could just be when you put your baby down that you take 10 minutes to just to, to to do a body scan relaxation or you know if you like yoga nidra I'm a big fan of yoga nidra it's it's like a body scan relaxation but it's just deeper and there have been you know there's research behind that that suggests that the level of rest that you get when you're doing that is equivocal to a really nice big chunk of sleep so you can be thinking okay I, you know, I am actually topping myself up through through the day in ways that I kind of hadn't thought I I could and would and should. You know, the coulda, woulda, shouldas are have got to be out the window as well. That was a, a you know another top tip for mm. any new parents. And you start to notice use you're using those words could, would, should, ought, must because it, it's it's important that could almost be a red flag as why should I what does that mean to me as, as you know is that because I'm trying to do what society is expecting of me rather than what I can you know what's within my 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 level of expertise or the times that I have and and also you know we have to notice that especially when we become new parents especially in the world we live in with social media I mean that's how we've connected isn't it yeah. is that we 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 connect beautifully with others but equally the comparisonitis is is really big and and we're subconsciously not not aware of that a lot of the time mm -hmm. so we see if perhaps we see new parents achieving or doing so much more in a you know in a beautiful space of doing lovely things obviously we never know what's going on really but it's it's about recognizing that in yourself too and just saying this is my life and that is okay um and it's not theirs and you know there, there's all sorts of things that we never know that are hypothetical mind when we're super tired and vulnerable will kind of try to piece together the the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and and make us start to feel pretty bad about ourselves in ways that just are not real and not true at all so I think that's you know a big big bit of of becoming a parent these days that we have to be aware of and certainly I mean 16 years ago for me that wasn't an issue mm. uh, we didn't have um, we didn't really have much social media Facebook was only just starting so you know I think that is a big big thing that we have to contend with so again it comes down to in intent I would certainly say navigate your way through you know the scrolling with intent 
um, to help you to connect more and feel better rather than aimlessly scrolling and and you know not feeling so good about yourself as well definitely I I totally echo what you're saying there about um social media Sophie it's such a brilliant resource in so many ways like you say that's how we we connected and it was lovely to meet you face to face as well a few weeks ago but also it can be so damaging and so Mm. dangerous and I always say to women especially in pregnancy when you've just had a baby when you are feeling extra vulnerable and you are therefore even more likely to end up in that rabbit warren of negative unhelpful comparison actually, it's kind of a good time to cull that social media feed. If you're seeing things crop up that don't make you feel great or are generating some kind of negative comparison, just hit that unfollow button. It's not Mm. the right time for you to be following that particular account. There's probably loads out there that make you feel a lot better about yourself. So kind of stick to those at that time, I think is really important. Now, Sophie, I love you. I could talk to you all all evening as it's it's the evening time (laughs) for us recording. But um, I know you have got four children to probably get back to. But I wonder if you could just share with us three of your top tips to new or expectant mums that are on this pregnancy stroke motherhood journey. Mm, oh, my goodness. OK, so the, the biggest one is 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 basically just be you. What does it look like to be you to be authentic to be real and think about being more open more honest um with yourself but equally with your partner if you have one and your family I think there you know that level of communication is enormous and I I just wish somebody had said that to me so many years ago um if you don't know what you is, what you are, who you are, then that's a really good time now to sit down and grab a pen and paper and just write down your strengths. Write down how you think other people see you. Yeah. And if you find it difficult to, to, to write down anything good about yourself, then it can often come from seeing how others see you. Okay. Um, so that's the start because equally recognizing that your baby will be looking at you with the most adoration and love. Um, they, they, you know, they're, they're not manipulating in any way. They're just like whatever you do. So, you know, even if you don't like the sound of your voice, if you like, you know, as you sing or whatever, your baby will absolutely love it. Also, top tip is, as I've said before, think about think about what you're doing for yourself every day in terms of your emotional resilience. So are you connecting? Are you giving? Giving uh, to others is really amazing. Um, that doing anything well-meaning, any well-meaning activities is tremendous for, for resilience building as well. Um, move your body. It's not always about the, the mind in this instance. It's very much about moving, getting out and moving in a way that you feel you need to, that you want to, but it connects you with your body so beautifully as well and with how you're feeling. Mm. So, so think about that kind of embodiment experience. Um, learn, learn as much as you can. Knowledge is power and words are particularly useful and powerful, especially when we're vulnerable. So learn about how you can use words um, with yourself and with others that help to direct you through your day. Um, Being 
uh, kind as well to yourself and kind to others, recognizing perhaps when you're not being kind and where that's coming from. Um, and that comes into with compassion as well. So, so you know, the compassionate voice is, is a kind voice, but it's also a, it's like that parenting voice that we were talking about earlier that, you know, just kind of nudging you through and helping you feel held and, and accountable for doing what you need to do. Um, and and uh, lastly, I know this is more than three, but lastly is, is, is being present, being as mindful as you can pregnancy is just nine months um and birth is maybe a, a few days labor and birth is you know a few days a few hours and you know and then afterwards those the time that you have with your baby is actually very short in the greater scheme of things being more present helps us to really bank all of that so much more and it equally helps to put the gremlins of the past to bed okay and equally the worries about the future and the what-ifs and the wherefores they can just stay where they are too so being present is tremendous superpower that we have within us that perhaps we've lost touch with a little and just need to come back to it I'm not talking about sitting and being zen like a buddha all the time at all I'm very much more about just being more present when you can remember to be present and actually that might just be a few seconds or a minute or two but the more you do it the more it comes more naturally and the rewards are great definitely and I think you know talking about being present in terms of pregnancy and and birth and having a newborn is so such a powerful time to practice it for the rest of your life because those moments are just so precious you know those moments when it's just you and your baby sat there and they look at you with that wonderful smile in their eyes like there is just nothing like that and and if we're too busy we we miss those don't we and so I think yeah. things like that are are super powerful now Sophie thank you so so much um, and Sophie's wonderful book is linked in the episode description as well as her Instagram page so please go and check that out loads more information support on supporting your emotional well-being and I hope this really helps anyone listening to really think about starting to prioritize that more in your life not just for you but for your whole family as well and that's it for another episode I hope you enjoyed listening remember you can use your exclusive discount code podcast 15 on all my online courses and why not check out my free mini course while you're there too if you enjoyed listening to this episode, remember to hit subscribe so you're the first to hear about all the upcoming chats too. And I'd be immensely grateful if you could take a couple of minutes to leave me a quick podcast review too. I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.